Hey, good morning. Ever learn something so meaningful, so significant, so important that it changes the very fabric of your life? Ever? Like that moment when you realize that your gas gauge has a small arrow pointing to which side of the car the gas cap is on? Mind-blowing. No, no more do you have to get out of the car and go, ah, oh, it's on the other side. Or when, you, when, I, when I realized that onesies have those little like soft shoulder things so you don't have to take a, uh, a poop-covered onesie off over your kid's face, you can shimmy it down over their shoulders and keep it away from them. Like, that is incredible. And I feel like I now owe my kids an apology. <laughs> or that conditioner apparently is a thing. I don't know, when I was in college, I was like, I just, I assumed it came in one bottle. Like, here's, here's your hair washing stuff. And then I get married and now conditioner enters in the shower. That's why my hair is so full of bounce and shine now. <laughs> there are some truths that are so meaningful, so significant, and so important that it changes everything. And we're going to look at one of those this morning, really at the truth this morning, as we continue our series enough on the book of Colossians. We talked about last week, an apostle Paul is this sort of missionary who's writing this book to the, the church at Colossae, the city of Colossae, and they're dealing with some stuff there. They're dealing with some false teachers. They're dealing with people that are kind of perverting and changing uh, Christianity, what this church knows. They're, they're adding stuff to it. They're taking stuff away. They're kind of making it their, their own thing. And Paul continues engaging with this church and addressing some of those things. And so we're going to dive in. If you've got a Bible, you can turn to Colossians chapter 1, verse 20. We're going to read verses 124 to 2.5. You can follow along with me here. I'm glad when I suffer for you in my body, for I am participating in the sufferings of Christ that continue for his body, the church. God has given me the responsibility of serving his church by proclaiming his entire message to you. This message was kept secret for centuries and generations past, but it now has been revealed to God's people. For God wanted them to know that the riches and glory of Christ are for you Gentiles too. And this is the secret. Christ lives in you. This gives you assurance of sharing his glory. So we tell others about Christ, warning everyone and teaching everyone with all the wisdom God has given us. We want to present them to God perfect in their relationship to Christ. That's why I work and struggle so hard, depending on Christ's mighty power that works within me. I want you to know how much I have agonized for you and for the church at Laodicea and for many other believers who have never met me personally. I want them to be encouraged and knit together by strong ties of love. I want them to have complete confidence that they understand God's mysterious plan, which is Christ himself. In him lie hidden all of the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. I am telling you this so no one will deceive you with well-crafted arguments. For though I am very far away from you, my heart is with you, and I rejoice that you are living as you should and that your faith in Christ is strong. Paul lays this stuff out there, right? And he kind of gives us a hint where he's going. He gives us a glimpse into what could possibly be this, this massive, life-changing, fundamental truth. And we see that in verse 27, 26 and 27. He talks about this message was kept secret. And what he means is it's, it was a mystery, right? It was a mystery. And it was a mystery for a long time, but now it's not. Now it's not a mystery anymore. Paul is poking on the stuff that the false teachers have been spreading around Colossae, the, the idea that there's a special knowledge that's available to the elite. That's why it's this mystery, right? It's this, and he 
sort of counteracts their claims of it's this special knowledge that you have to go through these sort of rituals for that's only available to the few by saying, yeah, you're right, there is a mystery. That's fair, there is a mystery, but it's a mystery that has been revealed to all. It's a mystery because limited humans can't understand unlimited God without some help. God's truth is beyond our reach without God revealing that truth to us. And we see right here what he did. Because he says, and this is the secret. I mean, this is just out there. This is, this is clear. This is the secret. Christ lives in you. That's the secret. That riches and, and glory of Christ are for all mankind. And that secret is that Christ lives in you. That's what God wants for us. He wants us to know him, and he wants us to know him through his son, and we're going to dig into that a little bit more. And he tells us the way that that happens in verse 29. He says, depending on Christ's mighty power that works within me. He's basically saying, I can't do this on my own. And he points forward to us saying, we can't do that on our own either. God is using Paul to show his cards, to lay it on the table. This is God's heart for people. And he wants us to know this. God wants us to know this. He's made it simple. And that's encouraging because sometimes faith can feel so confusing, right? And I get that. Sometimes it can feel confusing, but God isn't just asking us to guess. He's not saying cross your fingers. But if we're honest, aren't there times it feels like that? It's like, well, how am I supposed to know? Like, what does God want from me? Just to like close my eyes and turn my brain off and just say like, well, I'm just supposed to trust and without knowing anything, like, I don't know. It's like God has given me this test and I can't possibly answer it. I don't know any of the information. What am I supposed to do? But God isn't saying that. God's not asking us to just guess, to hope. Imagine you're playing Wheel of Fortune, all right? Imagine you're playing Wheel of Fortune. So let's say you get this clue right here. This is what you have, right? All right, give me the answer. Go ahead, guess. Well, how can you do that? There's no information here. There's no letters. There's no context. I mean, how could I possibly, how many combinations of like five and six letter words? Like, how could I come up with that? I don't have any idea. So let's give you, let's give you, like, let's give you some help. I don't know. We'll give you, like, we'll give you a letter. Right now, you're like, oh, that was it. That's all I needed. The, the R. All right, how about another one? Maybe we'll buy a vowel. Give you some consonants. Now for some of you, are like, oh, I see it, I see it. And the, and the answer is, that's right. That thing that people always said about Sunday school actually is true. Jesus is always the answer. <laughs> always the answer. God's not asking us to guess with none of these letters filled in. God has filled it in, circled it, pointed arrows to it, and it's under flashing lights. He's like, it's this way. He straight up says, folks, here's the secret. You want to know the secret? Here's the secret. I'm not sure how to make this more accessible, right? That's his, his attitude because faith would be miserable if we had to just guess. Faith would be miserable if we had to just guess. And thankfully, we get to wager not our money or our stuff or our or our time, but we get to wager our lives knowing what the question and what the answers are. That's Jesus. Jesus is the answer to the biggest questions that life has to offer. Jesus is enough. And that's what Colossians keeps talking about. Jesus is enough. We won't be able to find it anywhere else. The genie was right. No, there is not enough power or fame or money in the world to satisfy us. Jesus is enough. We have a need in our soul. There's a longing we can't satisfy, and Jesus is the answer to that. And we see why in this section of Colossians. 
First thing we're going to look at is because of Jesus, God is knowable. God is knowable. Jesus is the mysteries of God revealed. He's God made accessible and intimately knowable. And this knowledge needs to change us in a deep way. Jesus is God who stepped into time. He's God with a face. He's he's God moving towards us. I love how Paul talks about that. Like he said in, in 27, which we read before, and then 28, he says, so we tell others about Christ, warning everyone and teaching everyone with the, all the wisdom God has given us. We want to present them to God perfect in their relationship with Christ. He's saying up front, God is knowable. And, and the reason we see that is he's like, tell people about him. We want other people to know him. Why would you tell others? Why would you warn them? Why would you teach them if there wasn't anything to learn? Why do any of those things if it wasn't possible to actually know God? So Paul challenges. He's like, listen, this is what I've given my life to, and this is what I want to see you do. Let other people know this stuff. God is knowable. God is knowable. Colossians 2.3 says, in him lie hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. We understand the world, we understand life, we understand ourselves and our place in it when we understand God because all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge are are in him. God wants us to know him because that's the key to unlocking our life. But how do we do that? Because God is this infinite, cosmic, powerful, he he created everything. How can we possibly know a God like that? I mean, that's a daunting task. We all have that really smart friend, right? We all have that really smart friend that just knows stuff, right? You know that person I'm talking about? Like, they know those things that go right over our heads. You're talking about me, right? Hello, Mark. (laughs) How are you, man? How are you? Mark, tell them about the thing we were talking about this week. The thing? Yeah. Well, we were talking about the thing. I mean, in any multifunctional characterization of, say, tactile versus visual, we need band limitation, And the Gaussian filter is the obvious choice because it is critically damped, of course. Now, once you've achieved that band limitation, it's just a simple characterization problem. And something like RMS slope is a logical conclusion. Um, Of course, we'll take the derivatives in quadrature along the two ordinal axes to get there. Good? All right, I thought so. Um, But I'm sure what your hang-up is all through this has been the fact we're working in an analog space yes. with digital data. That's so just absolutely. go ahead and use the seven-point Lagrangian interpolation for the derivatives, and these partials become no problem at all. I'm not even sure those were words. But thankfully, Mark brought along his daughter to hey, help Becca? translate. Yeah, I think I can help. Uh, basically, long story short, if you don't have a case on your phone, it sometimes falls out of your hand. That's right. that. This so. is the science behind why your phone falls out of your hand. Okay. I can understand that. I can understand this. He lost me at the one behind the A. But I can understand what she said. And that is exactly what God has done for us. God is infinite and limitless. And we can't possibly wrap our tiny little human pea brains around him. And so what God has done is sent us his son to say, I want to speak to you in a way that you understand, in a way that makes sense to you where you are. That's why Jesus, God's son, came to earth as a man, fully God and fully human, to move towards us. This isn't a halfway thing. God didn't meet us in the middle. God met us 100% of the way towards us. We can't understand God without God's help. And God said, I will make it possible. God is knowable because of Jesus. Jesus is our bridge to God. 
He is speaking in our language, in our context, in our culture, in our customs about the, the truth of God so that we can understand it in ways we couldn't possibly hope to anyway. I love how Jesus explains that in John 14, 6 and 7, when he says, Jesus answered, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you really know me, you will know my Father as well. From now on, you do know him and you have seen him. If you know me, you will know my Father. Why? Because Jesus made God knowable. He made God knowable. The message that Paul is communicating here is not a system of rules telling us what to do or what not to do. It's a person. It's Jesus. It's God's son who is the source of life for those who know him. God wants us to know and experience Jesus as the fulfillment of our deepest needs, our greatest hopes, and our wildest dreams. He alone is the source of new life that we desperately long for. The hope of this mystery is the simple idea of Jesus in you. God wants us to know him fully. And it might be fair for you to go, how? How do I know this Jesus? Is he around? Like, what? Can I go like, get a cup of coffee with him? What do, what do I do? And I'd say, spend time with him. That's why God has given us his word. He's given us the Bible. God is saying, I want you to know me. He's not been mysterious. He says, listen, I have a giant book. Feel free to, like, I want you to read this, understand about me. But we can also talk to Jesus. That's what's incredible. That's all that prayer is, is just talking with God, is just talking with Jesus. We can know God that way. It feels so distant and, and, and far away, and yet God, in his awesome power, is saying, I am right here. You just have to talk. You just have to talk. Are you digging deep into God, or are you settling for what you think you already know about him? The knowledge that we're talking about needs to penetrate our hearts. It needs to penetrate the layers. Do you feel stuck? Do you feel stagnant ever? I have. I know what that's like. So what's the next layer for you? What is God teaching you? What is God teaching you? The second thing that we can see from this This text is is because of Jesus, maturity is possible. Because of Jesus, maturity is possible. When we know God more, good things happen. The more we learn about him, the more we're changed. We can't help but change. Because when you learn that the God of the universe knows you and loves you, right? when the God of the universe knows everything about you and yet loves you anyway, when the God of the universe has moved towards you, seeks you out, that's powerful. Why would we matter that way? I was out walking last night, praying, and it just hit me like, why in the world would I matter? I don't know, but I do, and so do you. God loves us more than we can imagine. Look at what Paul's goals are here. Look at what Paul wants for these people. Colossians 1.28, back half of that verse says, we want to present them to God perfect in their relationship to Christ. Perfect in their relationship. That's what he wants. And really, perfect means mature. He wants, he wants people to be mature in their faith, mature in their relationship with Jesus. And he goes on to, to talk about that more. I want them in, in Colossians 2.2. I want them to be encouraged and knit together by, by strong ties of love. I want them to have complete confidence that they understand God's mysterious plan, which is Christ himself. Here's what he says, complete confidence. And again, this simple idea of Christ himself, of knowing Jesus. Paul wants 
maturity for us. He wants us to understand God in a deeper way. Because the goal of our of lives, the goal of being alive isn't to stay stagnant, but to grow, right? Paul wants the Colossians to experience the fullness of life, not just a shadow of it. When we stay in the same place, we're missing out. Paul wants us to experience maturity, and by, the, by extension, I think God wants us to experience maturity, not because Paul gets some kickback from God if, if, if we're mature. It's not like God's debiting his account. It's like, oh, nice job on that one. Here's 100 drachma for you to spend. Paul wants that, and God wants that, because that's how we experience the richness of life that we want to know. Really, what Paul is saying is this is for your benefit. Faith in Jesus allows us to connect our lives to him and gives us access to a source of strength that we don't have otherwise, strength that enables us to rise above our failures and above our limitations. We can't do this on our own. It's not possible. And yet we still hold on so tightly to our lives as if we actually were in control. You ever been on a zip line? Think of this like riding on a zip line, right? It's, it's a, one of those cables that's strung between, you know, these two places and they harness you in with, with this harness and they attach you to this rope with this slidey thing and this carabiner, all this stuff. This is how I ride a zip line. I, I, I used to work with students and so I've done this quite a few times and I'm holding on for dear life. I know intellectually that the harness can hold me. I know intellectually that the wire will hold me. I know that stuff. If at the very least, because the place doesn't want to deal with the insurance headache if something happened to me. But it is hard to trust that. And so when I go to jump off the platform, part of me still grabs on and holds on tight to this rope as if everything else broke. Me holding on while I'm going 40 miles an hour would be enough to save me. No. Riding a zip line like that seems like a lot less fun than riding a zip line like this. <laughs> that guy's having a good time. That guy is living it up. You know why? Because he's going, listen, I'm going to trust that this is going to hold me and that nothing I can do is going to make a difference. And that frees me up to enjoy it in a way that I wouldn't otherwise. Letting go makes the ride so much more enjoyable. Maturity. Growing in our knowledge and understanding of God, growing in faith helps us to let go of our lives more, and in doing so, let God infiltrate us and make us more like his son. I love how Paul talks about it in Ephesians. He says, and may you have the power to understand, as all God's people should, how wide, how long, how high, and how deep his love is. May you experience the love of Christ, though it is too great to understand fully. Then you will be made complete with all the fullness of life and power that comes from God. Listen to that. You will be made complete with the fullness of life and power. That sounds good. That sounds good. How do I get that? That's what Paul wants for us. That's what God wants for us. So where are you right now if we're talking maturity? Where are you now? Are you a baby? I don't mean actually, baby, and that sounds like I'm calling you a name, and I don't mean that. You know, are you still learning? None of it really makes sense. You're just trying to deal with stuff as it comes. It's all brand new to you. Are you a toddler? You're a little bit further along. Maybe you understand who Jesus is, but, but that's about it, and you're not really sure what steps to take, and you're really relying on other people to feed you. 
Are you a teenager? Are you angsty and rebellious, and potentially a little smelly? <laughs> are you in your 20s? Are you middle-aged? Are you a senior citizen? Where are you in your journey? Because what God wants us to know, the reason maturity matters is when we know more about God and when we experience him more, we will grow more. So the question is, where is God growing you? Where is he growing you? Third thing we're going to look at is because of Jesus, suffering can be valuable. And really, if we're going to look at, at, at what Scripture says, it's really that it, it is valuable. And that's crazy at first glance, right? Because look how Paul talks about suffering in, in verse 24. Look how he starts off this way. I am glad when I suffer for you in my body. And he said, the NIV translated as, now I rejoice in what I am suffering for you. And I think it's okay for us to say, what? Does he know what those words mean? Those, they don't go together. He talks about it a little bit later on when he says, that's why I work and struggle so hard. He's saying, this is difficult. But he gets through it. He's able to find value in it because he depends on Christ's mighty power that's at work within him. Paul isn't suffering because of sin here, not because of anything he's done wrong. He's suffering for the sake of the gospel, for the good news about Jesus, for this, this message of Jesus. Paul can rejoice in his sufferings because he sees value in it. He identifies with Jesus through his suffering because Jesus was laughed at, was rejected, was mocked, was persecuted, was picked on, was injured. The cross cost Jesus a great deal. He hung on the cross and died a death he shouldn't have had to die, a death he didn't deserve. And in that moment, took on the, the weight of all of sin on his shoulders. He took on the, the total weight of human sin. And his father turned his back on him for the first and last time that Jesus would cry out, My God, where are you? And God would not answer. And the worst thing of all was knowing that he was powerful enough to take himself down off that cross. He submitted to this willingly. Paul identifies with Jesus in his suffering because Jesus suffered. He also believes in the message that much that if suffering is the cost of doing business, he is willing to pay it. How much more true does his message sound because of what he's willing to endure for it? Seriously, how much more powerful is that because we see that he's willing to put his money where his mouth is? His earnestness doesn't make the message true, but it sure makes it more compelling. We don't see that he's enjoying the suffering itself, right? Rejoicing in the midst of suffering is very different than enjoying suffering. Paul isn't a masochist here. But he's able to rejoice because he believes that it's worth it. I think what's interesting is we celebrate hard things culturally, right? We celebrate hard things. We make movies about hard things. We read books about hard things. We celebrate hard things. But we often want to avoid those things in our own lives. Now, I don't mean we're not willing to work hard. I mean, I can't remember ever talking with someone that really, really wanted difficult things to happen to their family. I just don't remember that. We can be seduced by a false gospel because we want to believe that suffering isn't part of the deal. But it is. And for good reason. Because we often listen best when we're hurting. 
Because we think we have life down and it is when we hurt, it is when we are struggling, it is at our lowest moments that we are willing to listen in ways we aren't otherwise. It is because there is a sensitivity and a tenderness to our hearts when we suffer. And that's what God wants. He wants our hearts. It does not mean that, that God rejoices in that. I, folks, I hope you hear me say, if you are suffering right now, the point is not you have to throw a party for suffering. I'm not saying you're supposed to go, yay, suffering, this is awesome. No, because it's going to be soul-crushingly, bitterly painful, but we can rejoice in the midst of that because we know that no matter what happens, that is not our final chapter because of Jesus. That's not our end. That we can look suffering in the eye, we can look pain in the face and say, you don't determine my forever. You might have a lot of influence on my now, but you do not determine my forever. Jesus does that. How else could Paul rejoice in that? Folks, Paul is in prison when he's saying this. I mean, he's, he's living this out. How frustrating must Paul have been to mess with? Because they're like, we don't like your message. We're going to put you in jail. Great. I'll talk to everybody in jail. That's awesome. I'll suffer for Jesus. Okay, well, that's a bad idea. We'll let you go. Awesome. I can go talk about Jesus. That's great. Okay, no, you can't be here. We're going to send you somewhere else. Awesome. I haven't talked with them yet. I will totally, t- I will totally talk with them. All right, well, uh, we're going to kill you because we don't want to deal with this. Great. I get to be with Jesus. Because Paul gets it. I want that to be true of me. What Paul knows deep in his core is this truth we see in Isaiah 43. Do not be afraid, for I have ransomed you. I have called you by name. You are mine. When you go through deep waters, I will be with you. When you go through rivers of difficulty, you will not drown. When you walk through the fire of oppression, you will not be burned up. The flames will not consume you. Like we see in Romans 3 to 5, we can rejoice too when we run into problems. He's saying this with confidence. We can rejoice when we run into problems and trials, for we know that they help us develop endurance. And endurance develops strength of character, and character strengthens our confident hope of salvation. And this hope will not lead to disappointment, for we know how dearly God loves us, because he has given us the Holy Spirit to fill our hearts with love. You know what he's really saying there? He's saying, but we rejoice in our sufferings. Because God doesn't waste our suffering. We got to know and believe that God hurts when we hurt because God loves us. But the hope that we have is God doesn't waste those moments of suffering. That God says, I'm going to work in and through you to bring about the change that that I want in your life so that you can understand the life I created you to know. That this doesn't just happen without God saying, no, I have a purpose and a plan. That God, God's specialty is bringing something beautiful out of something ugly. He has great purpose for us. And that's why we can say with confidence, we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God. And that's why we can say with confidence, believe truly that God would say, my grace is sufficient for you. My power is made perfect when you're weak. And so the question for us is, when suffering seems like misery, what am I missing? Why isn't the joy of the gospel triumphing over suffering? I want to have Paul's attitude towards suffering. And if I'm honest, I don't. But that's what I want. I want that attitude that says, this does not define me. Jesus defines me. And so do the worst you can do right now, world. Do the worst you can do because this is not my forever. Man, I want to I think that way. The enoughness of Jesus is what was able to 
to get Paul through this stuff. That message was so big and so significant and so incredible that Paul could rejoice as he suffered for it. We can suffer for Jesus because Jesus suffered for us. We can suffer for Jesus because God works in and through our suffering. We can suffer for Jesus because what we endure pales in comparison with what we gain. How is God stretching you? How's God stretching you? A friend of mine named uh, David is 26 years old. He is smart, he's driven, wants to make a difference in the world. And a month ago, he was diagnosed with stage three colon cancer. No history in his family, it's out of nowhere, and a young man in his 20s being diagnosed with this type of cancer is incredibly rare. I wanna show you some thoughts that David said. He said, I'm told many people feel anger in times like these, asking questions like, why me? At this point, I don't feel that way at all. In fact, the question I've been asking myself is, why not me? This disease is extremely rare for someone my age, but if it has to happen to someone, what makes me think it wouldn't or shouldn't be me? Grades, professional successes, family background, economic bracket, none of that is disqualifying. He goes on to say, I've experienced a lot of good things when I've been willing to let go of control and trust a God who is bigger than me. Freedom from anxiety and fear, extreme attentiveness to the present moment, deeper relationships with those around me, those are some of the joys available to me if I am able to let go and embrace the uncertainty of this season. So I'm trying to do that. You know how? Because he knows that Jesus is enough. Because he is convinced in the core of his being that Jesus is enough. He has his entire life ahead of him, and yet he can look this in the eye because he knows that Jesus is enough. Folks, what's God teaching you? What's God teaching you right now? Is he showing you how much he loves you? How much you need him? Is he teaching you how big he is or how faithful he is? What's he teaching you right now? Where's God growing you right now? Is he getting after things in your heart that you don't want to give up? Is he digging into the things that you find your worth and your value in? Is he trying to get your attention? Where is God growing you? And how is God stretching you? How's he stretching you? Is he asking you to trust him with your finances, with your health, with your future, with your children? How is God stretching you? Because I hope what you hear us talk about and what I hope you understand this morning is that God wants us to know him and know that he's at work in us. We all feel different areas of brokenness and imperfection. We all feel those rough edges in our life. And no matter how much we want to do it on our own, we will not be able to fix those. But God is saying, you don't have to. Let me. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you that that's true. We thank you that we have that hope. Father, it is humbling to, to realize that you are the infinite cosmic creator of the universe, and yet you want us to know you intimately, personally, that we can have a relationship with you. Father, we thank you for the hope that we have that when we are willing to trust you, that Jesus' mighty power will be at work in our lives. Help us to let go. Help us 
to be willing to surrender the illusion that we have our life under control, the illusion that we know what's best for ourselves, allow us to surrender that and instead cling to you. Father, challenge each one of us, myself included, Lord, to to be thinking about these questions this week, to better understand you, Lord, then what are you trying to teach us? Where are you trying to grow us? How are you trying to stretch us? That we might take another step towards the richness and fullness of life that is possible through Jesus. Pray this in your son's precious name. Amen.